This is Common Ground, KCRW Berlin's talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Serhati Nelson. Today we are looking ahead to the future, specifically to what our workspaces will look like and where these offices will be. KCRW Berlin's Dina El-Sayed explores one idea that's taken hold during the pandemic. With equipment like this in the home of the future, we may not have to go to work. The work would come to us. In the 21st century, it may be that no home will be complete without a computerized communications console. That was American news icon Walter Cronkite in March 1967. Fast forward to November 2020, and his vision sounds eerily familiar. The coronavirus pandemic has made working from home the new normal. With governments around the world imposing lockdowns, many offices and co-working spaces are often empty these days. Discussions with colleagues in an open-plan office or packed conference rooms are now done through virtual connections from home on laptops. Even in Germany, where working from home was almost a cultural taboo, nearly a quarter of German workers did so during the first wave of the pandemic last spring. Germany's Minister of Labor and Social Affairs, Hubertus Heil, even proposed a law that would give employees here the right to work from home at least 24 days per year. But is home office really the preferred office of the future? Many experts say no, and that working from home has its limitations. Some say that interacting with colleagues in person is vital to creativity. Others complain working from home makes it more difficult to achieve work-life balance. Meanwhile, Heil's plan to codify home offices ground to a halt. For now, the decision whether employees work from home is being left up to employers. Home office is äh, insgesamt auch aus der Sicht von Stadtplanung und Stadtentwicklung eine Frage. In Berlin, Tobias Scholz says home offices should play a role in reshaping urban planning and development. He is the spokesman for network policy and digital administration for Die Linke or the left party in the Berlin parliament. Schulz told KCRW Berlin he envisions a decentralized office setting for the city government workers, where they can work from home or nearby in co-working spaces. One reason, he says, is because working from home this year reduced traffic on overcrowded Berlin thoroughfares. He says that ecological and transportation considerations will factor into Berlin policies governing offices of the future. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. So is remote work here to stay? Or are we going back to the office when the pandemic is over? Or is there a new kind of workplace that's coming that we haven't even envisioned yet? Let's go to the phone and meet our three experts who will help answer those questions and more. From Düsseldorf, I'm joined by Hans Hermann Aldenhoff, the German country head and law partner at Simmons & Simmons. From Singapore, I'm joined by James Andrade, a neuroscientist and senior vice president and head of learning and innovation at Capital Land. And joining me from London is Helen Arvanitakis, director of that city's new design district. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello. I'm going to start with James, and let's talk briefly about the direction office setups and layouts were taking before the pandemic started. Okay, Soraya. So before the pandemic, uh, offices were pretty conventional. They were your standard uh, high-rise in central business districts, uh, multiple floors. Many multinational companies have their headquarters based here and their actual uh, manufacturing and sales outside of Singapore. So it looked uh, pretty familiar to what you would expect in any major metropolitan city. 
Did you have open layouts? I know, for example, uh, when I used to work at NPR, it was one giant office with no walls, basically. And it was uh, sort of a different experience than your normal office building. Yeah, I would say that most of the companies were moving to more of an open floor plan, even more senior level uh, executives would, would be in a more open space, maybe moved over into the corners. But uh, other than that, it was pretty much like what you would expect in your traditional urban environment. And Helen, was that the same case for you? I mean, your London project has been described as a physical place for workers in creative industries to collaborate and create. What was it supposed to look like and how did it change with the pandemic? Um, We were fairly fortunate in that when we set out to um, start to build the design district, the brief that we set for ourselves was one to create a space that would work really well for people that work in the creative industries and also was affordable for people in the creative industries to be able to populate. And part of that comes through in the design in things like um, openable windows and no air conditioning, all of which now seem to be a sort of thoroughly enlightened way to work post-pandemic. But also it has meant that we've got relatively small uh, footprints of buildings and actually none of our spaces go over probably something like 2,500 square feet, which is approximately 250 square metres. So relatively speaking, it's not um, traditional office with large floor plates, a lot of air conditioning and um, high volumes of people in the same space. Just to go back to Singapore for a moment, James, um, what happened with the pandemic? Did everybody start working at home the way they have here in Germany? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, the Singapore government took a very conservative approach with a focus on public safety as the primary concern. So immediately uh, there were several phases of lockdown that were implemented. And for the most part, office buildings were closed down and people had to pretty quickly shift into a work-from-home mode. Hans Hermann, obviously the German culture is not one of home office, at least not traditionally, and that all changed in a very dramatic way since March. Do you see remote and online work as something that's here to stay in Germany, or do you think that there'll be this counter-push where people have to go back to the office again? I think it's a bit of both, actually. Um, Certainly, I would uh, envisage that home office will stay or remote working will stay. And even before the pandemic, we have observed uh, that businesses have identified office space as the single biggest cost outside people. Uh, So office sharing, desk sharing, open plan, everything that has been referred to uh, for Singapore and London um, is reality in Germany and has been for some time. I think the pandemic has accelerated that process. You're right, the German culture is alien to that or has been alien to that, but the new generation embraces uh, remote working much more than the elderly would. So when employers and pro-business forces are pushing for people to go back to the office, you don't see this as something that um, will be forced upon people again? I mean, you think that the phenomenon now is too widely practiced and so that remains? It certainly uh, will remain for two reasons. One is, for now, the pandemic gives employees a good reason to stay away from the office without being confronted with sanctions from the employer. And the second point is that the war for talent basically commands that um, employers uh, listen to what their target employees um, have in mind. So I'm certainly sure that phenomenon will stay. 
Helen, the fundamental question with remote work is what can an office environment give us that we can't get at home? I mean, otherwise we would all be working at home already. Yeah, that, it's a really interesting question. This has definitely proven to um, lots of us that there are many things that we can do remotely and very successfully, actually. But I still believe very firmly that there are a number of things that simply can't be done um, as well in this work environment. The creative process, um, and this, I think, is felt across a large part of the creative industries. The creative process simply does not work as well remotely. And what we are hearing universally um, to all of the people that we're talking to is that the benefit of bringing people together to work through a creative brief or conundrum is huge. And we feel very firmly that, that the creative process will happen face-to-face, you know, forevermore. Are there other obstacles, James, to having a home-only work environment? I mean, why is it important in Singapore, for example, for people to come together? Well, the feedback that we get, uh, Soraya, is there's two things that people miss about the office. One is the sense of community. Even though uh, you have the convenience of a, a Zoom call or a Microsoft Teams call, people feel the lack of connection that uh, an office provided. And they actually have looked forward in some cases to getting back into a situation where they can actually interact with their teams. The second, and I think that Helen uh, was hitting on this point, is the innovation component. You know, you need to have those connections. You need to be able to bounce off ideas with people. And the convenience of the office is that you can do this in real time. It can be spontaneous. And those are things that you miss when you're working at home, uh, where it's a little bit more isolated. To what extent is it possible to replicate that sense of community at work in an online environment? This is Hans Hermann. I mean, we have uh, experienced that our clients, for example, would offer wine tastings online, coffee meetings, and all the rest of it. Uh, So there is a strong trend to get as close to physical reality as possible. I would say, however, that I entirely endorse what has been said by my two other colleagues. So I I think office work will stay. Uh, There is another element which I have observed uh, from what I'm hearing here in Germany, especially people whose personal home environment isn't as comfortable and who live all by themselves clearly miss the human interaction and their social life is somewhat limited through home office only. So I think it will be a combination of the two going forward. I'm sorry, you you wanted to say something, James? Go ahead. I was just going to add that uh, Capital Land, we've been looking at how we can bring the uh, the experiential component of working together into the home. And we're experimenting with a a couple of different products that will help us do that. We had built a shared executive leadership development uh, facility called Catapult, which we could not utilize because of social distancing. We tried to repurpose the, uh, the technology to turn our mission studio classrooms into broadcast studios. So instead of having groups of people coming to that facility, we actually use it as a broadcast studio to broadcast out to folks at home. It doesn't replicate the same experience as being in a classroom, but it does bring you a little bit closer to the interaction and connectivity between a knowledge provider and uh, someone who's, who's taking in content or learning materials.
What sort of pressure is there on employers, whether it's from the governments or the employees themselves, to sort of think about offices as a place that's safe from disease? I mean, obviously, we're all thinking about that at the time of the pandemic. But are you seeing a mindset change in how offices are designed or workspaces created to protect against that? This is Hans Herman. I think this is to an extent too early to tell. Obviously, we have the social distancing rules and we all need to abide to them. And there is health and safety regulations basically on all the jurisdictions uh, companies operate in, uh, in some shape or form. But it will take some time until the office uh, design, uh, which effectively has been moving towards getting smaller and smaller and more crowded, may move away from this. What I would expect is the whole issue of desk sharing, so people come on a Monday and a Wednesday and their colleagues come on a Tuesday and a Thursday, will uh, be uh, of increasing importance. And likewise, I expect uh, the regulators to pay more frequent visits on site to check uh, health and safety compliance. Helen, what about in London? Sorry, I was was actually just going to interrupt there. I think that's a really interesting point. There's definitely an immediate uh, response to this pandemic, um, which will be about things like social distancing. But actually, there's probably a more important question that um, providers of workspace and employers need to be thinking about, which is the health of workspaces more widely than simply the spread of disease. What the pandemic has proven to us, and and I think Hans Hermann picked up on this earlier, was that for some people working at home is not a particularly healthy place to be. And it could be for a number of reasons. It might be about, you know, the desk that they're able to sit out or or noise pollution or, or simply the kind of the mental health of being in the same location consistently. But there are ways that we can create offices to create not only a disease-free or at least a low transference of disease environment, but also one that I hope that would be really healthy for us more generally than that. Well, let's talk about the many people who work in jobs that require them to actually be at their place of business, Uh, whether it's grocery store workers, drugstore clerks, medical workers. What does the future office look like for this critical population of workers? And we'll start with James. So I probably don't have as good an answer for individuals that are in spaces like uh, shopping, etc., although we do do uh, quite a bit in the in the area of malls. But I do want to kind of pick up on your last question because it does have relevance to the one that you're asking here. We are looking at what are the technologies and the, uh, the elements that we need to build into our buildings to make them more healthy and safe. So, for example, how can we limit the need for surface contact? So you're seeing things like facial recognition, being utilized and, and actually being implemented in some of our new construction much, much more in terms of our plans. We're also looking at much more center-activated doors, so you limit the amount of uh, contact that you have. We're looking at how to better utilize lighting that can disinfect empty rooms. So when someone is out of the room, is there a lighting that we can use to uh, either slow down or actually kill the spread of, of, of microorganisms or contaminants? We're looking at different surface technologies that are antibacterial in nature. And, of course, we all, through COVID, have been subject to temperature reading, leaving and and entering into uh, buildings. So those types of things, how do we build those into our buildings? And then finally, things like improved air purification and filtration. So these are all physical things that we can start 
looking at in much more detail as we plan for the future office buildings. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will talk about how the Berlin government is dealing with the office dilemma. Stay tuned. One A is the largest daily national conversation for NPR listeners. Hi, this is Todd Zwillick of One A, where we are always thinking up new ways to include voices and perspectives. Bring your voice to the conversation on the biggest topics facing America, and hey, be ready to hear from those that you won't always agree with. That's next time on One A. One A tackling policy, politics, and technology every weekday at four on one hundred four point one KCRW Berlin. This is Ira Glass of This American Life. Every week on our show, we apply the tools of journalism to stories that are so small and personal, journalists normally would not cover them. It was my forged signature, and it was my boyfriend's handwriting. Or we look at stories that are big. Refugees, school segregation in America, the split in the Republican Party. Climbing out from the smoking ruin and say, anybody else alive around here? And find surprising personal stories there, too. This American Life. Every Sunday at 5 p.m. on KCRW. Berlin. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm your host, Soraya Sirhadi Nelson. I'm joined by lawyer Hans Hermann Aldenhoff, neuroscientist James Andrade, and Helen Arvanitakis, who is a business development specialist in the design sector. We're talking about what future offices might look like and how those plans have been affected by the pandemic. Berlin is one place where such plans were upended. The city Senate administration earlier this year had launched a pilot project to test flexible workplaces in hopes of attracting younger employees. The plan was to give them work-issued laptops so they could work from home or at the office in comfortable lounge areas. But the first lockdown forced thousands of city employees to work from home, said Tobias Schulze of Die Linke or the Left Party, who we heard earlier in Dina's story. We saw very quickly that the administration was not adequately equipped for this when it came to devices like laptops, tablets, and so forth. Nor did they have secure internet connections. I asked the Senate about all of this, and they told me with the VPN tunnels at the beginning of the pandemic, we only had them for around 2,000 of the 80,000 government jobs. He says the goal in the next four years is to make all jobs in the Berlin administration home office ready. He says that's important not only because of the pandemic, but because the government doesn't have enough office space to expand the workforce which he says is desperately needed. But the Internet capability in Berlin remains a real challenge. James, you work in Singapore, which is a lot farther along when we're talking about digital capabilities than Germany. In fact, Singapore came in second in the World Digital Competitiveness Ranking in 2020. So how important is solving that digital component in order to design an efficient workplace for the future? Or can that be overcome by simply having workers co-located in one building or complex? Well, Singapore prides itself, as you indicated, on, uh, on its, its technology, and I would say that it's critical uh, as we move forward. We have a number of flexible workspaces, uh, community workspaces, one of which is called the Bridge Plus, and one of the propositions that we offer is the fact that we have a very robust 5G network, which allows us to exchange data very quickly and to do things that you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it wasn't easy to do. But with all of that said, the technology being important, 
The other component that is as important, if not more so, is building the right community as you put together these workspaces. So it's not an either or. Both of them have to come together. Helen, do you agree? And what's the situation in London when you talk about Internet accessibility and office planning? Certainly in the creative industries, we've got a really varied need and demand on uh, internet provision. So on the one hand, you've got a lot of people who still work with their hands and they simply need the internet to to be operating an email account and and perhaps a little... website with some e-commerce on it. But on the other hand, there are a large parts of the creative industries, people are operating huge and complex um, bits of software that have to constantly access uh, remote servers and, um, you know, poor IT provision makes that incredibly difficult. And in fact, it's very difficult to plan for. I don't think the UK is particularly well prepared for the future. And um, it feels very disconnected in the UK in terms of how you, um, your options for getting your service provision and how you can actually offer that to your end tenant. Um, it's a difficult one. I, I certainly don't think the UK are necessarily leading the way in this. Is there a situation or a scenario, though, I mean, because we talk about portable laptops, people taking their laptops around rather than having the office around them, that they also take like a wireless hotspot with them? Or is this something more a matter of like creating a Wi-Fi net that is actually accessible all over the place? There's two aspects I would draw uh, your attention to. One is obviously the technical aspect, uh, which uh, probably over time will be resolved. My bigger concern is around uh, confidentiality of data um, and uh, the exposure to cyber risk. Uh, So depending on how sophisticated the business is one is involved in, I would clearly counsel that um, uh, absolutely secure systems ought to be used and that may command an in-house type of system rather than using uh, arbitrary hotspots around uh, the city of Berlin or indeed anywhere else. Is North Rhine-Westphalia where you are further along in terms of decentralized work and digitalization, or is what I described as Berlin's experience typical for Germany? I regret to say it is um, typical uh, for Germany. Um, uh, We are certainly lagging behind places like Singapore or uh, Shenzhen, even in China, by a long way. Um, There's a lot of data protection concerns that come into play. There's a lot of bureaucracy, to be honest. And I just hope that the pandemic, uh, which has brought a lot of evil over us, would at least facilitate a rethinking uh, of German administration, uh, which I'm observing as we speak. Go ahead, Helen. Yeah, I was just going to add one thing to that. I mean, I think um, Singapore has an advantage in that it's a relatively small area of land and and it's a very well uh, organized and controlled country. The UK is not huge in the same sense that Germany is, but it's very disparate and um, there's not a sort of... A unified approach and certainly no desire to have a government-led approach to this. And I think what we have seen in the pandemic, which has been very interesting, is a massive disparity between the businesses that were well-equipped to suddenly switch on remote working and those that were not. And in, certainly in the UK, I believe we've had very similar problems, it sounds like, to Germany, where local government, for example, not only were they not prepared at all for remote working, but clearly there are massive issues around hardware plus personal internet provision for the employees of local government. And uh, that makes me worried about uh, our preparedness for this next time around. James, if you want to add something, go ahead. 
Yeah, the final point I wanted to make on this is that even though Singapore has a very strong uh, IT network and Internet capability, most of the business that's conducted is done outside of Singapore. Headquarters are located here, but the business is outside. And so the, the challenge is more than any individual city, and in many cases more than any individual country, because the work is conducted in regions and, and actually beyond regions. The connectivity question becomes quite critical when you start thinking beyond your borders. Let me ask this last question of each of you. Um, if you can describe for me what you see as the ideal workplace of the future, given all the components we've talked about, whether it's pandemic, whether it's creativity, whether it's connectivity. So I think the ideal workplace of the future is one where we have a healthy building, which encourages a healthy way of working. And a healthy way of working for me constitutes not only a fantastic environment with fresh air, good quality of light, and beautiful spaces to work inside, but also sensitive working practices to the different needs of the employees. And that could be about late starts and early departures for people who've got um, commitments outside of work, or it could be about other things which we haven't um, yet encountered that people will need. And um, I would like to think that workplaces of the future are designed to encourage collaboration and to bring out the best in teams and groups of people. James, what about you? What's your ideal workplace? I think that the uh, workplaces of the future are going to be blended uh, working environments. You'll see a mix of what was considered more traditional office spaces, but also a pretty strong flexible workspace availability as well because people will be working from outside of the office, whether it's in the home or in a coffee shop. There'll be a strong community component that's built into that. And there's probably going to be a strong employee development value proposition because connecting people and innovation are going to be the two reasons why people will leave their home to come to the office uh, location. Hans Hamann, what about you? Well, this may sound a little dramatic, but I see uh, us at a crossroad between the what we ref traditionally have referred to as white-collar workers who uh, can take advantage of everything that has been said by my two colleagues uh, and the blended uh, workspace between home and office uh, and the people whose physical presence will still be required from assembly line workers in companies all the way through healthcare and, and other service providers. That, I think, is going to be a, a real dilemma, um, and it will be important for employers to cater also for that latter group of people uh, by providing within what is feasible um, flexibility around um, working time, at least, as well as location of work. Well, that's the show for today, and I'd like to thank my guests. Hans-Hermann Aldendorf is the German country head and law partner at Simmons & Simmons, and he joined us from Dusseldorf. James Andrade is senior vice president and head of learning and innovation at Capital Land in Singapore. And in London, Helen Arvanitakis is the director of the New Design District. It was great having all of you on Common Ground. Thank you, Sarai. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Tune in next week when we debate whether it was wise or overkill to close Germany's famous Christmas markets this year. And if you have questions or comments about that unprecedented decision, go to kcrwberlin.com and click on Common Ground to pass them on to us. Have a great week. <laughs>